Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by John Henderson, Vice President and Chief Digital and Information Officer at Chalk. John, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. Happy to talk with you. Now, I am excited to dive into our discussion just because I know things are changing so quickly in healthcare and especially with digital technologies. But before we uh, begin, you know, could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, sure. Um, so as you mentioned, uh, I'm the Chief Digital Information Officer at Chalk. I've been here for six years. Um, I've primarily spent my entire career in healthcare, pediatrics healthcare. Um, been a, a little bit early in my career in financial services, but uh, quickly moved into healthcare and uh, in, in pediatrics specifically. Uh, started out in Houston, Texas at uh, Texas Children's and have been in healthcare. Oh my, I'm going to date myself 27 years now. Wow, that's uh, you know a, definitely a great background in in history and of experience. So, you know, when you think about obviously everything that you've seen throughout your career, uh, I'm sure you've seen a lot of evolution in the healthcare space. Um, you know, where do you feel like you're at today at Chalk, and what opportunities do you see in the future? Sure. So, you know, as as we've been come out of the pandemic and everything, everyone's trying to kind of settle into kind of the new normal. Uh, whether that's related to what your inpatient volume is going to look like, uh, how does population health in your ambulatory care, uh, what do those models look like for the future? We really see uh, the opportunities expanding our population health uh, program, which we kind of had in place uh, around 2013, 2012. Um, we see continued growth in the ambulatory setting overall, uh, continue to grow our primary care network. And so what that really translates uh, from a technology enablement perspective is really improving access and capacity uh, for our patients to consume our services. And one of the things we're trying to do uh, from an opportunity perspective is kind of redesign kind of the whole process for how we interact with patients when they want to come in and see us. So uh, we have a focused effort uh, on improving our access with our specialty clinics. Uh, also with our primary care as well. And what that means for technology enablement is we're looking to create, uh, I'll call it a unified digital front door, really a mobile experience that really encompasses everything a patient, patient family wants to do with us, whether they want to uh, look for content, whether they are thinking about coming to see us, or whether they know they want to come and see us and be able to book their appointments, schedule their appointments, um, and then do anything from pre-visit questions and forms, uh, full experience for bill pay, all the things that make it easy and convenient, uh, we're focused on uh, on that type of opportunity. You know, I think the other thing that we are also uh, expanding and, and trying to grow is our footprint with AR and VR technology. Uh, we have a number of modules that we've developed uh, and put into production to kind of improve and help our patients, whether it's whether if you're coming in for an MRI, we have a module that hopes to kind of decrease your anxiety uh, about uh, coming in for 
for for the, for that image because those machines are scary. You have to be really have to be still, and so we try to use that to help uh, get them more comfortable before they come in for for that imaging uh, uh, visit. And then also looking at things with our cardiology uh, clinic, uh, creating some modules to kind of help inform uh, and educate on what that experience is going to be like if they're coming in for a cardiology exam. Uh, so it's looking to really expand the capabilities there. I think those are some big opportunities that uh, we have in front of us. That's great to hear. You know, and what an exciting time right now to be able to focus on that patient experience and um, really have that, you know, digital front door, I suppose, in a way that you can interact with patients and their families much differently and much more efficiently, as well as exciting to hear about they are VR technology um, for patients. I can imagine that makes a big difference um, for them as they're going into, like you said, procedures and, and treatments that can be a little bit scary or overwhelming. So um, that's that's awesome to hear. Yeah, it, you know, we, we've the experience we've had so far has been really positive. We even have one of the scenarios in our South Orange County campus where it's more of a we call it a mini virtual treasure hunt. Uh, so. We hand them an iPad and they can go uh, around the floor. We have uh, QR codes on, on, on the wall and they scan it with that iPad and then it kind of creates this virtual world that they see through, uh, through that iPad and they look to find different things uh, and find Chaco, which is kind of our mascot uh, throughout the, a sea of different uh, uh, virtual experiences. So we're excited about it and looking to, to really expand that experience. Yeah, how fun. Oh, that's awesome. I just can imagine uh, thinking through my two kids going through that, you know, and just really, um, you know, enjoying it. And the hospital is no longer a scary place, but really, you know, a space that is helpful and can be fun for you. Perfect. Well, you know, I, I think it's exciting to think about, you know, some of those things that you just mentioned in terms of areas to uh, grow and opportunities, but are there any other, I guess, headwinds that you have your eye on, especially uh, thinking through, you know, where um, some of the challenges or roadblocks could lie ahead? So, you know, I think from some of the challenges, you know, one of the things that I think everyone is facing and we're, we're not unique to it is really kind of the reimbursement uh, models that, that are coming. So reimbursement, uh, whether it's related to, uh, to, to Medicaid, um, you know, having the right pyramids to, it can really make a big difference in your hospital's operating margin. And so those are some of the things that uh, we are, are seeing uh, just like other, other health systems. So there's, there's, there's a pressure to how do we provide uh, the same high quality care and services but at the same time, how do we drive out costs and kind of lower our cost, operating cost footprint? So uh, we're, we're looking at a number of initiatives around that to try and uh, account for that, and account for those variables that we'll, that we'll face. Um, and so we're looking at things such as uh, automation, uh, whether it's robotic process automation, uh, process orchestration, um, things of that nature to really look at, not just on the administrative side of the house, uh, but really looking across our health system to figure out where can we leverage these technologies to eliminate manual activities and really help our, our workforce kind of work at the top of their license uh, and eliminate the kind of mundane, routine, repetitive work that, that can be handled through automation. So that's one of the things we're looking uh, as we look at some of the challenges and how do we, how do we, how do we address those. Um, I think uh, kind of the other challenges really have to do with 
Uh, staffing is still a challenge, uh, particularly in the clinical arena. Nursing, pediatric nursing uh, shortages are still uh, fairly significant. Uh, we still have to use a high number of travelers um, to uh, support our staffing uh, that, that we need. And so really trying to look at you know, different ways to, to staff, um, whether it's looking at, you know, can we do uh, any of the kind of virtual nursing uh, for, for very specific uh, use cases. So we'll probably explore some of those types of things, um, but that's one of the ones that's, uh, it's a tough one uh, because you have to have the pipeline from, from nursing schools uh, in order to, to really grow that staffing because we saw a lot of folks uh, leave healthcare throughout the pandemic. And so we're just trying to figure out the best ways to, to try to manage that. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And definitely thinking through, you know, that <laughs> the payer medicine, I know, is especially a challenge for children's hospitals and pediatric care, you know, especially with a high level typically of um, government payers. And then to um, staffing, I think everybody across the board could raise their hands and nod their head when they think about, you know, what some of the um, challenges still are in operating, you know, with less than a, a full staff um, that they would like to have, but still being able to provide great care. So, you know, as part of that, I, I know resources are precious and scarce within the healthcare space and more than ever, you know, the mantra, it seems like he's doing more with less. And so for your particular role as the chief digital and information officer, how do you think about growth, knowing that these dollars are precious as well as, um, you know, adding value to the organization as a whole? Right. So, you know, I think there's really a couple of different ways in which uh, I look at it. Um, we have a really solid partner network where, you know, we have a great internal team, but we also have to have some really great partners uh, for some managed services that, uh, uh, that we leverage. And so you have to have a really good model there because it allows us to, to flex up when we need to um, as we're looking to grow, um, but also making sure we have the right level of, of services. Um, you know, if you think about uh, some of the areas uh, in cybersecurity, we have a really strong internal team, but we leverage uh, some really strong third parties to, to help uh, augment us. Um, so we look at things of that nature, but I think the other big thing, and I touched on it earlier, um, as we are growing, uh, we're in the middle of building a new specialty tower. So we're looking to consolidate all of our specialty clinics that we have in multiple buildings into one part of that experience that we referenced earlier, uh, making it easy for our patients to come and consume our specialty services. So as that's growing, we're looking to grow our primary care footprint across the geography. If we're going to, and I, I call it doing more with the same, uh, and so our automation program is really focused on trying to accomplish that for the organization. So we are doing discovery sessions uh, with all of the different departments within, within our hospital, whether it's clinical or administrative, and really creating these opportunity lists of areas where we can really eliminate this manual work and really allow uh, really every department Within our, within our organization to receive the benefit of eliminating uh, work by leveraging automation. So that's gonna be a key component for us as we grow. Uh, because particularly when you have a, you're over wider geography, staffing models are gonna be different when you're, when you're further away from the main campus. And so you wanna be able to be as efficient as possible. I'm also looking at uh, just the different technologies within the facilities. 
So the ability to manage your equipment uh, from, a, from a remote console, also looking at even the remote monitoring of patients uh, remotely, so you can be more efficient with their care, but also be mindful of not having to have a parent drive 40 miles to come to see you when you can do that in a virtual visit, but also have access to the, to the information from that remote monitoring to help you kind of guide the care a bit better. Absolutely. That's a great point. And, you know, I love that uh, doing more with the same. I think I need to in- implement that and, and, you know, have that as part of uh, our um, thought process as well. So, you know, in the examples you provided too, of being able to remotely monitor patients and um, get a sense of how technology and automation can really boost the team that you have is awesome. Um, and, and, and two, you know, Along those lines, when you have so much, um, you know, change happening in in different things that you need to do in order to, um, you know, really provide the best care for patients and the best experience as well, is that something that is um, pretty easy to work with the staff and clinicians and everyone throughout the organization to get some of these updates, or, or you know, what do you have to do culturally in order to make sure that people understand, you know, why there's changes being made and in why, um, you know things have to be done a little bit differently than they did before. Right, right. It, so it, it's a mix. Um, we've, there, there's some of our, some of our areas where they were really gung-ho about working on these different uh, automation uh, efforts and they start right up, right out of the gate. Um, but then you have others where there is a big change management component. Um, so for instance, there is a conversation they had to have really was an educational uh, discussion. And it was really around, as we go into and work with their areas and uh, look at the areas and process and workflows uh, that they've identified, the conversation was around, well, what does that, what does that mean if you're gonna eliminate, are you gonna eliminate their role uh, with this automation? And the conversation I had with them was, automation is not about eliminating a role. I said, there's you can't really eliminate someone's entire job function through automation. I said, that's not what we're here to do. We're really here to understand your different workflows and, and activities that you're performing. And in most cases, there's multiple people that touch a workflow. And so we're gonna look to see, can this workflow meet the criteria for automation? And if it does, what you're going to see is the benefit of that automation being put into, into real use is that now five people no longer have to perform this activity and maybe they're going to each are going to get back maybe an hour of their time a week. I said, that's not a full person's role, but now one hour per week, you can give them other activities and they can get to other analysis or different uh, deliverables that you weren't able to get to before because their time is consumed with this one workflow. I said, and as you add more of those different workflows, into the process where we automate, it gives you more and more capacity. So as you grow, you don't necessarily have to go and uh, justify asking for a new resource because maybe now you actually save a half an FT annually. And now you have a half of FT capacity to do more work and do more things as, you, as, your, as your group is growing and as the hospital is growing. So really having that kind of conversation to help them understand it's not a it's not an automation of an entire role, but really helping to give you some capacity. Got it. That makes a lot of sense, and you know, definitely is a great way to connect. It sounds like and communicate with the team. 
um, how automation, you know, is really going to fit into the overall strategy. And ideally, um, you know, like you said, help them work to the top of their abilities and, and give them the time they need to be more impactful for the organization as a whole. Thank you. Very true. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, along those lines, too, you know, when you think about the future and um, what is coming down the pipe, um, considering, you know, as we have been talking about healthcare resources are, are um, precious, what do you see as being one risk or investment that's still ma worth making this year? You know, what really is going to continue to forward along your mission um, in, in something that's really important for you to still do? Well, you know, I think... Um, data is still critical because it really drives everything. We used to talk about the EMR as the engine, the hub uh, for healthcare, and it still is uh, the primary vehicle uh, for clinical content and, and providing care. But the data is really what generates uh, the knowledge and information to help you make better decisions and even to kind of forecast and predict better. So continue to make investments in uh, in, in that realm, um, whether it's predictive uh, analytics and, and creating models there, I think that's still really important. But I think the other area is really around uh, kind of the conversational and ambient AI technologies. So most organizations have dealt with physician burnout uh, across the organization, and we're no different. And so one of the things that uh, we believe can really help uh, relieve some of that burden from our physician community is kind of that ambient AI where they can have their patient visit and that technology can transcribe that conversation and populate into the EMR just the right information, not the entire conversation, but what the doctor is, is, is conveying, whether uh, it's capturing their chief complaint, whether it's the orders that they're prescribing, that, whether it's the, the meds they're prescribing, to really capture that conversation, populate the EMR. Physicians will still have to approve uh, that before it's finalized in the EMR, but that can be a, create a significant efficiency for the physician with their documentation and really hope to reduce kind of their after-hours documentation time. So I think that's, that's an investment worth making. Um, the technology is getting better. Um, so a few years ago, I would have told you, there's no way we're going to spend any time on it. It's just not ready. But I think that's, I think it's, it's in a place where uh, we can actually get some real value from it. That's great to hear. And yeah, I know it's, you know, been a long time coming in terms of the idea percolating and the technology being refined and refined. And so, um, you know, it's just fascinating to see how quickly things can evolve and, and definitely great to know that that's part of, um, you know, what can be really helpful for physicians, especially to, to combat burnout. Um, and, and, and thinking through both the ambient technology as well as, um, you know, how data is going to be continuing to, to make a difference for organizations and can be used in different ways. I'd love your perspective on how you see some of the opportunities for your teams and the IT team in particular um, to grow and develop within the organization. You know, what types of skills or um, positions that you'll really need in order to uh, be successful as, as the um, healthcare as well as technology evolves. Right, right. So, you know, I think um, kind of the skill set that I think we have to grow the most is really around the digital uh, aspect of it, um, and really from 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 two 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 lens. Um, 
One is just in order to deliver digital capabilities um, in a manner in which you can take advantage of them quickly. Um, getting to the more agile delivery uh, model uh, is is really critical. Uh, we can't afford to to do waterfall uh, implementation, so things have to be done in that more agile uh, uh, methodology. And so, getting everyone's skill set geared towards agile is is important. So, got to invest there and, and get them there. Um, I think the other area um, I'm going to go back to uh, more of the uh, engineering side and uh, also the low code with automation and leveraging automation tools. Um, we have to take advantage of these technologies just as we're trying to make sure uh, the business and, and clinical side are taking advantage of them. So we need, we, we need those skills. And so building up those skill sets across the different clinical teams, uh, the, the application development teams, and even in some of the core infrastructure uh, uh, teams, getting them skill sets on how to do, how to create automation to eliminate the manual work that they are typically historically have done uh, themselves. So those are kind of the two of the, the big areas where I think you have to, to grow their skill set. And then I'll say secondly, it's not unique to, to the IT organization, but it's something we're doing at CHOC and really it's around data literacy. Uh, really trying to grow everyone's capabilities and understanding of how do you really leverage data? How do you understand it? How do you analyze it to help you make your make different decisions and or make better decisions? And so I think as we're doing that across New York, we're also looking to do that internally within IT because as you know, we we deal with as much if not more data uh, than, than anyone else in, in, in the organization. Yeah, wow, what a huge undertaking to try to, you know, level up that data literacy um, across the board. And, uh, you know, um, is there anything as you've been doing this organization wide, I don't know how long, far along you are on that journey, but anything that's worked particularly well in connecting with um, other departments, whether it's clinical or operational or administrative, um, just in terms of, you know, seeing that I guess, change happen and click within um, their understanding of what data is and what can do and, and then sparking innovation and how, you know, they can work with you all to use it. Right, right. So so we are early in the journey. We've, we've been on it for about a year. But what we've seen so far really, um, in briefly, we, we, we do what we call a spot check. So we kind of baseline everyone. So you kind of see where you are and then it, then it kind of helps you, tells you, where do you need to focus your, your learning so you can improve on? And so that gives us the opportunity to give targeted learning uh, in those focus areas. And so um, it's been really well received. Um, the, and I think the key part of that has to do with uh, another initiative that our chief medical officer uh, brought to our organization. And it's really about improvement science and really trying to do improvement work across our system and not just only having it focused uh, in, in being led by the quality organization, but really training all different areas on how to do improvement work and do small improvement projects to increase our quality, improve our efficiency um, across the org. And so those two pieces kind of came together at the same time. So we ha you have that uh, activity going on you have the data literacy piece going on. And so really uh, those two pieces are coming together to help people really understand kind of what they're looking at. Uh, so it's, it's been a 
it's been a great uh, a great effort, and uh, so far it's uh, been really well received. That's amazing to hear. John, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really interesting conversation and some great examples in terms of things that you're looking at and working on and um, the processes that you're updating at Chalk. So I appreciate that. And I'm excited as well for you to join us in October for the Health IT, Digital Health and Revenue Cycle live event in Chicago. I, I know it'll be an amazing time and I am, I'm excited to kind of catch up on some of these things and, and really see you know, how things are changing and, and growing within the organization. Well, thank you. It's been great talking with you as usual, and I am really looking forward to October as well.